Tonight I'm going to start off by reading out of Luke chapter 2. Luke, Luke chapter 2 is the account of the birth of Jesus. And uh, it's going to be up on the screen, but I'd actually encourage you to not look at the screen. Uh, I want you to pause and really listen to the words that Luke is sharing with us. Uh, so if some of you want to close your eyes so you can imagine what's happening, or you can follow along if you want, but... Um, I really want us to take the time tonight and hear the story. And there's two things I want you to hear. I want you to hear what's going on in the story, but maybe more importantly, I want you to hear what's not happening in the story. Because there's something really significant that I think most of us, when we think of Christmas and we think of birthdays and we think of children being born, there's some big things that are missing out of this story. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Oh, hello, announcements. That's not good. Okay, let's try that again. There we go. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus uh, was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for, their ba- for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in snuggly, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid them in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Okay, so we have Mary and Joseph. Mary is pregnant. It's not Joseph's. It is a gift from the Holy Spirit. We know that Mary, upon becoming pregnant, spent the first three months of her pregnancy with her cousin Elizabeth. So we're not really sure when Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem. We're pretty sure, though, that she was traveling in her third trimester. Now, moms and people who have had babies, traveling in your third trimester is such a pleasant experience, right, moms? Right? We just love those three months to just get in a vehicle and travel long distances, right? That is the perfect time. Now, I want you to remember, this is not just, you know, for, for you, at least you get to climb into the caravan or the expedition or whatever it is that you own to travel those long distances, Mary, in her third trimester, is riding a donkey. Oh, pleasant experience. I'm sure it was. And they arrive in Bethlehem, and, and again, we don't know how long she's there, maybe a couple months, and she probably had some family that they stayed with. But the time came for the baby to be born, and you don't want that happening with all your close relatives around. It's and not even close, like extended family, right? Like you know that the uncle that's going to bring this up at every family reunion is there. And so they don't really want to do this at the house where everyone's watching, <laughs> but there's no room. There's no inn. There's no super eight. There's, there's nothing. And so Mary and Joseph find what was believed to be a cave where they keep animals. And it says that he was born in a manger. That's just a really fancy way of saying food trough. 
the Messiah of the world, the King of Israel, the promised one, the promised descendant of David, Son of man, Son of God, the long-awaited laying in a trough where animals eat and slobber and spit and there's hay and... And I point this out because this is not the way that most of us come into the world. But we're not talking about a normal person. We're talking about the Messiah. The way Israel was expecting this person to arrive was with grandeur in the castle, with the latest crib and the latest stroller and, and handmaidens and the best doctors. And, and, but there's none of that. There's Jesus coming into the world. He doesn't have a whole bunch of handmaidens. He doesn't have a whole bunch of nurses. He doesn't have a whole bunch of doctors. There's no IV. There's no scale. There's, no, there's, there's none of it. All there is is Jesus, his mom, and the man who is going to fill the role of stepdad in his life because his heavenly father is high above. But Joseph has been selected to be the man who sets the example of what a godly man is to look like. And then we continue on. And so we got this young couple who don't have very much. They're kind of poor. Baby laying in a food trough in a hole in the ground, a.k.a. a cave. Okay? This is the Messiah coming in in all humility. Every time we talk about God calling us to be humble because he rejects the proud, remember this story and the humility of Jesus' arrival. And then we continue on in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There was the baby lying in the manger, just as the angels had told them. After seeing, the sh after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and that what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I want you to hold on to that. Just keep it in your mind because we're going to come back to it. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So the angels arrive in the story. And the angel's job is to be the messenger of God, to promote to the world that the Savior has come. And let me tell you, there were better candidates. There were better people for the angels to arrive at. Like, if you're going to tell the world about this, you're going to tell Israel about this, you should probably go to the Pharisees. 
Because the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the ones who had everyone's attention. Everyone was supposed to listen to them because they were the smart ones. Go to the Pharisees or, or go to the king. That's a great idea. Here's the king of Israel, the promised king. Why don't you go tell the king so he can spread the news that the, the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited kingdom has arrived. Go tell the king. But the angels don't do that either. The angels picked the shepherds. And, and for us, that may not seem like a big deal, but in Roman society, the shepherds were like just above the dirt you walked on. Like they were the lowly of the low. They were weird because they spent way too much time with the sheep. They probably smelled like sheep or smelled like something that comes from sheep. Um, they like spent way too much time out in the field there, boys. And the angels chose them. And again, not even the fact that they were the lowly of the low. You want to talk about people who are not excitable? Right? They work with sheep. Sheep are skittish. Shepherds can't be like, <laughs> like jumping around, going crazy, excited. They're even keel, no emotion, like just. But what we read in the story is that that's actually the reason that people listen to them. Because these people who spend their entire life being calm, being peaceful, so that they're not chasing sheep all over the countryside are now all of a sudden very excited about something. It's this whole idea of humility, this whole idea that, that God doesn't come and he's not trying to draw the attention of the world, but he's coming in humility and in quietness and he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't yell and scream and try to get our attention. He waits for us to be quiet enough to hear the gentle whisper that he's offering to us. And so here's the Messiah of the world coming in the whisper of history as a baby lying in a food trough, and they go, and the angels show up, and they tell the shepherds, the nobodies of history, that the Messiah has arrived, and that they need to go to Bethlehem, they need to see this amazing, incredible thing that has happened. And as I look at this story, I'm reminded of so many things. Uh, if you've been with, been around, you know that we like this thing called the Advent Conspiracy and it's this whole idea that we just do Christmas, we need to do Christmas differently. And we read the story of Jesus, and it's not about the extravagant gifts. And you're sitting here like, well, what about the wise men? Wise men don't show up when he's born. Wise men show up a couple years later, and then he gets the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, and that all sounds like really weird things other than the gold. You can bring all the gold you want to me, I'm in. Um, but when we come to Christmas, the world has taught us that it's all about gifts, and it's all about the pretty tree, and it's all about the lights, and it's all about the perfectly wrapped tree. I was sharing this story in Redverse. Um, I, was, I won't say where I was, and I won't say what I was doing, because they would give it away who I was talking to. Um, but I was talking to someone, and it was just a couple days ago, and they were stressed out because Christmas was coming and they hadn't wrapped gifts yet and their solution to wrapping gifts was they're going to go hide in their room they're going to drink and hope the gifts got wrapped somewhat good that was the plan because that was the only way they could even imagine getting through it because it's so stressful now i'm not saying that the first christmas wasn't stressful mary is you know seven to eight months pregnant riding on a donkey mom's that seems like a stressful experience. Dads who are, that seems like a stressful experience. 
She's giving birth without doctors or assistants, you know, in a cave. That seems like a stressful experience, but that seems, that's different stress. Why? Because that first Christmas was all about their family. It's all about just the people who were closest to them, and it wasn't about the extravagance. It was, and I can't help but wonder as we come into this Christmas season how often we get distracted by the extravagance. We so often get so distracted by one-upping one another with gifts, and we get, you know, like, oh, this year's gift's got to be better than last year's gift, and, and the wrapping has to be just perfect, and, and the meal has to be, you know, like, <clears throat> I do, you know, I've done the service early enough where, like, supper is in the oven, and, you know, the wives are like, Matt, I got to go. I can smell my turkey now. Like, this bad. We want the perfect meal. We, want, we just want everything to be perfect. But if you know anything about having a family, nothing's perfect. Family is messy. Family is, but family is fun. Family is full of love and joy and peace. And it's just, it's all about, first of all, it's all about your family. Well, first of all, it's all about Jesus. We get so distracted over Christmas, about Santa and gifts and everything, that we forget about the fact that Christmas is all about Christ and that he is completely worthy of all of our worship not all the stuff that's going on not the bank account to make sure there's enough to make sure we can pay off the Christmas is all about Christ Christmas is all about family just like in that first one and the beautiful thing about the story with the shepherds is a reminder that Christmas is for everyone not just those who can afford it in those days, a shepherd was not a lucrative job. There wasn't an extravagant amount of extra cash kicking around. But the angels didn't go to those who had all the money so that Jesus could be showered with gifts. They went to those that didn't have a whole lot because Jesus came not just for those who could afford him. He came for everyone. And we had a really cool experience on Sunday. We, did, we, went to, uh, we joined the United Church for their Christmas carol festival. We took up an offering, but the offering wasn't for the United Church, and it wasn't for the committee that put on the Christmas carol. The offering was for the food bank. Because this Christmas season, there's people in our community who can't put food on their tables without the food bank. There's people in our community who are stressed out, not about the presents that they're trying to get. and not, They're not stressed out because Amazon's running late. They're stressed out because they don't know what they're going to feed their kids, or they don't know what they're going to feed their families. The idea of having extra people over adds extra stress because they don't know where that food's going to come from. On Wednesday, the youth center was able to partner with the toy drive in town, and we got to give gifts and winter clothes to kids who weren't going to have gifts this Christmas. We we were able to put toys under the trees for kids because there's lots of people who just take that for granted, right? There's lots of kids who are like, you know, it's two days before. It's like, I don't see any gifts under that tree. Where are the presents? Where's the stuff? Which one has my name on it? Meanwhile, in our community, we have people who, this is the farthest thing from their mind. And we got to come alongside and say, listen, we want your kids to be dressed warm. We want your kids to have toys. We want you guys to actually enjoy Christmas. So here's something. It's not much. But we want to bring a little bit of joy to your house. We want to bring a little bit of joy. And there's an amazing reminder that Christmas isn't about all the stuff that we get. How many of you have ever, and just simply being honest, how many of us have come to Christmas and someone came up to you and said, asked you, what do you need? 
Like, do you need food in the freezer? Do you need clothes on your back? Do you, no, what's the question? What do you want? I don't know what I want. don't really want anything. Well, it's Christmas. I need to get you something. Just give me something, right? How about we just want to bless somebody else? Why don't we just want to, we just want to help somebody else enjoy Christmas as much as I get to enjoy Christmas? And come alongside a family and give them food and give them. And so tonight as we are pausing and we're reflecting and we're worshiping and we're singing, I want you to, to just pause. Put away all the extra stress put on by the commercialism, put on by Santa, put on by everything. Just put it all aside and just remember that Christmas isn't actually supposed to be that stressful. It's actually supposed to be something like this. Even if you're not that excitable of a person, is Christmas excited the shepherds? It should excite us. It should be a season for joy. It should be a season for happiness and mercy and I remember that verse. Mary stored all these things in her heart and she meditated on them. As we think about Christmas and as we think about how we're approaching it, I'm going to tell you that there's there's nothing that comes in a box that's going to be worth meditating on. The word meditating seems like a a, a weird word, but what it what Luke's trying to communicate is that Mary wanted to remember all of this. Mary wanted to remember this big group of shepherds who showed up. They wanted to remember the fact that angels declared the arrival of her son. That there's these memorable things, and I wonder when we approach Christmas, are we coming at it? hoping to create memories that are going to last that we can tell our kids and our grandkids. Remember the Christmas in 2022 when we fill in the blank. Are there things going on that we want to store? Because that's stuff worth investing in. Instead of spending money, we need to be spending our time. Instead of, we need to just simplify. Get Christmas back to what Christmas used to be about. Taking care of the community, loving our family, making memories with our family, and worshiping the Savior of the world above all else. And so that brings us to the candlelight portion of our service. And, oh man, this is a way bigger flame than I had in Redverse. Um, I think the significance of the candlelight. Oh yeah, worship team, you could probably start wandering up at any time. I love the candlelight. Because the candlelight is a reminder that we need to focus on a different kind of light. So much of our days is spent in front of a phone, responding to texts and surfing the web and getting on the social media and fill in the blanks. Our phones can be all-consuming or our tablets or our computers our TVs, when we binge watch whatever we're binge watching, and we are flooded with so much different lights and sparkles and distractions, and the flame as we light the candle is a reminder that well, fire is often representative of God's presence. And it's mesmerizing. I don't know about anybody else, but I could just sit here and watch this thing all night. You guys could leave, and I would just be like, mm. 
But this is, this is the kind of thing that's worth spending our time with. This is the, something that's worth our entire focus. It's not our phones. It's not anything else. It's God's presence and God's goodness and everything that God comes in His presence. That's worth focusing on. That's a relationship worth growing. That's something that we can get lost in. And so we turn off every other light. And we turn off everything else and we turn on, don't turn on, we light candles and we focus in, we get zeroed in and mesmerized because God's presence is the one thing that's really worth getting fixated on. 